Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages. It is us. I am your host, Game Goblin, crawling back out of my godforsaken crypt. Along with me this week is... Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. And running two microphones in stereo is... Kazakhan, the Lord Dragon. Still makes an itty bitty pip on the sound. It, he does? Well, Moniker's not here this week due to uh, sudden pet emergencies. Yay. And Kazrakan is still coming in quietly, even though we've taken uh, Moniker's mic and moved it across the table. And Kazrakan is definitely in stereo right now. This is going to be fun to edit. <laughs> like, there's a fun video you can listen to on the internet, and it's it's an audio barber shop visit. So you basically get the experience of a of being, you know, having, having a clipper run around your ears. Almost, yeah, just by sounds. Mm-hmm. And they did this by placing two mics about where the human ears were and just using a mannequin head. Wow. Let's see, those guys have charisma. Our topic of the day. <laughs> yes, that is our topic for the day. Nice segue, <laughs> dude. Nice segue. Nice save. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we are going to go back into our role-play game shenanigans because video game industry has gone completely fucking sideways to shit, and I just don't want to fucking pay attention to it right now uh <laughs> apparently um somebody failed their charisma check somewhere screaming and hooting and hollering over diversity and inclusivity in Baldur's Gate 3 <laughs> I just I I'm still trying to wrap my head around my my wheelchair accessible wheelchair accessible adventures in D&D blows my fucking mind Hark, okay. we need a it's based chasm. off of Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition for the gameplay mechanics, and they include—are are we allowed to call them races anymore? So uh, it includes some of the species listed in uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and you can literally play like a half demon person. But apparently, the game is still not inclusive and diver- d- divisive, <laughs> diverse enough. Whatever the fuck. Anyway, we're talking about charisma this week, because uh, that's a much more fun topic. Mainly because it is abused like a son of a bitch redheaded stepchild. Oh, it is the most abused stat, in my opinion. I mean, yes, we do strength builds, which are power gamey as fuck, or you do dex builds, which are power gamey as fuck. And we all know Constitution's great for that extra, you know. I rolled badly for my hit points as a wizard if you play 2nd edition D&D. 1d4 sucked ass. <laughs> but uh, one thing I as a GM and all GMs pretty much do, it, it's, a, it's a careful balance, right? Because you have to keep in mind real-life physics and real-life thermodynamics and other crazy shit in combat. You know, like how fast is an arrow flying versus damage and stuff like that. Or when you build a, a pit trap in your dungeon, you have to think about it in mechanical terms. So you're doing like rudimentary engineering there just to do your basic tiger trap to get your people to your, your game group to fall into it and you know there's there's a lot of other things that are going on with the gm you know they're keeping an eye on all their players they're trying to make sure everyone's having fun they're everything else in the world the trees the birds the people the weather the monsters the skeletons you name it it's the gm the GM is not playing God, he just tells God what to do. God's plural. Exactly. And or mono. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be um, beholden to whatever pantheon the book I'm sorry, me. but when I run D D, I run it as an agnostic. You know, I believe in the gods, it's just I really don't care. Yeah. They, they might show up in game, I don't know. They might. They might not. I don't it depends on if I have a cleric or a paladin showing up. <laughs> yeah, I, I take more of the uh, Neil Gaiman approach of they only exist because we believe in them and because we have belief to give all kinds of things become gods. Like the 
boob tube right in front of us, or the magic, magic box that you never want to let the smoke out of sitting next to me that's recording all of this. That's exactly right. Okay, so with charisma, though, it is, like, super abused. Uh, like I was just talking to these guys just a moment ago before we started recording, your entire battle in a Dungeons & Dragons, or any other game, really, it does not hinge on strength alone. You don't have ever one guy just run up and he's like, I roll to attack, and... Bath. Bath, the combat is over. You don't have, like... Some encounter where a multi-stage trap goes off and the guy only rolls a deck save once and disables the entirety of the trap, no problems. But somehow with charisma, you walk up to the gate and there's a guard standing there and you're like, I want to talk my way past him, I make a charisma check, and boom, you're past the guard. Or in jail. Or in jail, or you want to... Of course, we all know the ballad of the horny bard. Yeah. <laughs> and the horny bard makes one charisma check to score some, you know, puss puss for the night. He's like, hey, baby, you look good. And I, you want to help me tune my mandolin? <laughs> Bam, charisma check. Nat 20. He gets to go shag with the, you know, barkeeper's wife. And it's like, what the hell? No other role in the game is so... Diversively powered. <clears throat> it's over. It's abusively powered. And like... When you're trying to get past a guard, these are trained individuals who are there to keep people away. And a group of adventurers walking up, and you know, you got a 5% chance to roll a hot 20. And you just walk up and you be like, I'm here to see the king. Charisma check. I rolled a nat 20. The king will see you. I mean, it, that, would, of... that would never apply in real life. And, you know, some of this is how, you, how the GM handles it, right? Well... You're, you make a pretty convincing argument. The king has room on his schedule, say, in a week. But he's too busy right now, and without prior planning, he's not going to speak with you. I can put the word in, and that's the best you're going to get. Yeah, and then, like, if we treat charisma like any other role, like combat roles, is a series of steps. Right. Yeah. I roll to hit. I roll for damage. If I hit... I, if I critical, I get extra damage or some other cool effects in right. some systems. I, even, I, I know exactly how we do this for hitting on the, the barkeeper's wife or daughter, son, whatever. You hit on the bartender for all I care. Well, I'd hit on his son. <laughs> Didn't realize you were Persian, too. No, I'm playing a female character right now in a, in a Starfinder game. So, yeah, yeah, guys are totally optionable right now for that character. <laughs> so, so what you do is... You have to do your first charisma check to, all right, I'm going to try and uh, lay, you know, convince her to sleep with me. Cool, you do your first check, nat 20. Cool, you get a giggle out of her. She thinks you're a cheeky little shit. Yeah, like a, like um, a sliding scale. Then you got to do another roll to try and convince her, oh, come on. Then you got to do another roll to try and, and it'd have to be like uh, acrobatics or something, sleight of hand, to get her out of there without her husband noticing. There's got to be a charisma check to seal the deal. That's at least four steps that you could completely fail on. Yeah, it's like a sliding scale. And, you know, another thing that's worthy of note about this is, like, I think that some of what happens with charisma being a one-and-done skill, power, power by any other name, let's call it like it is, is a lot of people don't have extensive... Um, experience dealing with other people. Certainly not those that they're necessarily romantically interested in. Now wait, you're saying a bunch of nerds in someone's basement in 1970 something had no idea how to convince a girl to let alone date them, not let alone completely just get a one and done? It's within just the saying. realm of possibility. <laughs> yes. But like, I'm know. sorry you failed your Christmas check, you're sleeping with Rosie Palm tonight. Right? Yeah. And, you know, and there's also, like, there's also things like, you give a rousing speech, right? Inspire the troop. We're about to go to war. Let's go kick their asses, you know? You can roll a 20, and the guy's in the back, unless you have someone who's amplifying you by magic, or just repeating what you're saying, they're not going to hear dick. Like, 30 people back? I don't know about you guys, but that's hard to hear. Let alone really let the words actually do anything to affect my mood. Now, question. Where are they standing when they make this roll? Because if you're in the middle of, like, a wood uh, or a camp in the middle of the woods, sure, it's hard to do. But if you've got to give a rousing speech and you're in, like, 
a place where there's hills and you're in like the the they're like a small cliff or something. You can get some good echo going if you can position yourself right. Right. And people who have that commanding fucking what is it? The drill sergeant voice oh, or yeah. someone who can they <clears throat> the know how tone to make of authority. Voice carry. You know, because think about bards, they're trained professional liars and, you know, musicians and singers and stuff. They know how to get a room full of noisy, drunk people to hear them. So if, if you're someone like that who's trained, then it'd be like, all right, yeah, I can totally bullshit that I know exactly what to do to make myself heard all the way in the cheap seats. And at the same time, you, your GM might not have, you know, a terribly, yeah, a terribly in-depth knowledge of sound. Again, people's experiences are going to affect how their game goes every time. Yeah, it's just really weird though because charisma is like one of those one and done skills. And like Blasphemous was just saying, you know, and I mentioned, you know, sliding scale. I think that charisma should be handled more like a sliding scale. And I really haven't implemented this myself. And, and the reason I bring this up is it just actually came to mind that this is one of my GM weaknesses that I've never really capitalized on. And like I say in the past, you know, a good GM is always learning. And I got to recognize my own failure in, you know, not really observing this. It just hadn't come to mind. It, yeah, it hadn't come to mind. And, you know, maybe from this point on further down, it'll be more of a sliding scale. So when Lusty Bard wants to lay the dragon, he's going to have to make a series of charisma checks to butter up his target instead of just a one and done. Be like, oh yeah, you flirt with the bar wench, she giggles, and maybe she'll meet you in a wide open place, you know, for a little walk and chat tomorrow when she's off shift. But right now, uh-uh, no. She doesn't just, like, bang with any random stranger no matter how hot they are. And no matter how, you know, charming they may be. Yeah. For all that's... she knows, he's he's got the gift that keeps on giving. You know? mm -hmm. And that's the way, you know, real life Herpes. works. <laughs> I, I know that uh, combat is an aggregate system, and so is uh, magic in many regards. Charisma is not treated as one of these weird systems. Wait, I know a rule set that works perfectly. You want to say it with me, Kaz? Uh-oh. Uh, Social combat. Ah, uh, All of the fucking hatred. All of the fucking <laughs> hatred. <laughs> So there's a rule set <laughs> that comes out of a couple things called social combat, where it is completely charisma and intelligence, wisdom-based setting you know, and all of that. But it's bullshit because it basically gives the GM a spreadsheet. A job that is harder by a factor of several magnitudes. It is, it is a fucking atrocious thing. Especially for... So social combat, the idea behind it, you know... This particular mechanic is used in political intrigue style games, which has its ups and downs. You know, you got you want to have a system so your new up and coming lords actually have a fucking system with which to interact with their peers, betters, and who knows what else. Right? I will make the Underdark great again. And then there's shit like that. <laughs> I had to. I know you did. But at the same token, Social combat is finding out about your target. It's, oh, I'm going to do a little bit of knowledge check. Hey, this guy's known for being a little bit of a, a magical enthusiast. He likes to read and learn about magic. Okay, well, let's have the party wizard go talk to him, right? It's learning about your target. It's seeing how they react. It's gauging their reactions, and it's playing to your strengths to make them do what you want or like you depending on how the situation goes. From the historical context, context of a renaissance era, to where if so-and-so sees you speaking with so-and-so and they tell the right person, you're going to lose social credit points with that person, even though you're gaining them with the person you need help from right now. So it becomes a giant balancing act, keeping a hundred spinning plates in the air at once. Sounds like being back in high school. Yes. It's... Yeah. It, it it sucks a hell of a lot for the GM, and it's a system that even I threaten people with. Jesus. Actually, there there's one other topic about charisma I wanted to bring up, because it was actually not in some of the materials I reviewed earlier. And it's a variant, and I know neither of you are familiar with Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. 
the good old days where dungeons would fucking screw you up. You you made a bad roll. You're dead, dude. Just, and one d four hit points for a wizard, and if you rolled a one, <laughs> Squishville. Uh, you were the, the most timid. With you're like I can launch fireballs up your butt. However, I'm gonna go hide behind the guy wearing all the metal right now because I've got one hit point, no con bonus. And all my spells have burnt out because I wanted to look cool and completely overkill that last creature I thought was the boss. Magic Missile will never look cool. Unless you take the feat spell thematics from 3.5 and alter all your spells to look like something else, Magic Missile will never fucking look cool. It'll just like It'll look like you're shining a flashlight with lethal damage in somebody's face. <laughs> but there was a variant rule in 2nd edition, which came out, where you added a 7th stat to your character sheet. Ooh. You had strength, dex, con, int, whiz, charisma, and com. Communications? Nope. Nope. Ding. Well, you get a guess. You get a guess. Com. Concentration on magic, but I don't think that would fit in a social contract. No, it would not. It was called comeliness. Okay. Oh, ah, so it's your actual how good I look. Stat. It was your actual how good I look stat. And one of the things I liked about three five is because there was a there, despite the fact that two second edition was the the one that like the granddaddy of them all kind of shit. However, they really didn't explain charisma all that great. And they just kind of like, yeah, it's how good you are with words and how, you know, eloquent you are. The and people then, with the least real yeah. world charisma were trying to tell you about what your charisma stat was. You know what? They actually had really good charisma because they managed to sell their uh, products. Okay. Yeah. Uh, having been in sales, you need charisma. You need to be able they to. They managed to get a newfangled product that nobody had ever heard of before that was slightly based off of a genre that nobody took seriously and made bank off of it. So I, I I don't care if they were like, you know, sleeping with a bunch of crusty socks under their bed. They still had enough charisma to make money. And they, they were still able to communicate effectively that they had a product that was wargaming where you took on the roles of the little people on the board. The singletons. Not See, this yeah. is where my defense for that is if a barbarian can use a strength stat instead of dex to totally lob that axe through the opponent, then I believe that someone who is intelligent enough can totally figure out the way how to make that arrow work without having, or um, how to make the, the person believe you without having the best charisma. Well, the thing about charisma that I'm trying to get to here is, in 2nd edition they had comeliness because they did not explain charisma very well. So they added comeliness as kind of like the seventh stat, where it was how good you were looking. And again, 3d6, no modifiers. So if you rolled 3d6 and got all ones, yeah, you were... You were a fugly bastard. And it would be really funny, too, especially if you're playing a high charisma character. You are butt-ass ugly, but somehow you just have these magic words that just get right through to the person's like barriers and convince them that you're awesome. I believe they call that a face for radio. A face for radio. I mean, that's that's a thing. Yeah. And another thing is, you know, there's different ways to be charismatic. You can have a high charisma character who is this shy, quiet, cute little withdrawn kid. And that works just as well because it's you get that, okay, I want to protect this little cinnamon bun person. Okay, okay, wait a minute, wait so, a minute. It's been a while. The Shota Quota has gotten to... It's right here, dude. You're, you're on the verge of tipping the scale on that Shota Quota. <laughs> For that, there is not punishment juice, nor beans of shame. Now I'll just take you back stick. outside with a fucking rubber hose and beat you. <laughs> I don't know why you were instantly, instantly going towards, you know, but, sex, and You were talking but, about a cute little muffin. Yeah, I was just saying, we have the, the, the shocky shocky stick. For those who don't know about the shorter quota, you can see our previous episodes. It's buried in there somewhere. I, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. Anyway, finish your story. I. Yeah. So, but what I'm saying is, you know, have you ever had a character that you've looked at in anime and they're just like too fucking pure? They're just innocent. They're blithely naive almost, and you're just sort of like, no, don't do that. Please don't do that. Like that protective urge. Yeah, you're you're giving me flashbacks of Chobits. 
No, see, I'm see? I'm not getting that at all because usually I'm like, oh, this is a show for entertainment, and I'm not exactly out there watching Sailor Moon anymore. Just the same. Whatever. The, Sailor Moon was suck ass. The concept is still applicable. You can have a high charisma and not be good with words. It's how people interact with you. Precisely. And this is one of the things I'm trying... Uh, one of the things I'm getting to <laughs> is when 3.5 came out, they basically took comeliness and charisma and combined the two. Smashed them together. They smashed them together. And if you get a 9 out of your 3d6, basically your average... You're an average person as far as your looks go and your force of personality, and they define charisma better as being more of not just how eloquent you are at speaking and interacting with other people, but it could actually be one of these other facets. You could be, like, super drop-dead gorgeous, like Paris Hilton. Ew. Okay, I know beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I don't find her super gorgeous if I were to, you know, start railing. Pining. If I were to start railing anybody right now, it'd be Galadriel. Because the actress who played her and then went on to play Hela, holy shit, she looks good in black. But regardless, what I'm saying is, or Anne Hathaway, when she was doing Catwoman, holy fuck. She looked a lot better as Catwoman than she does in real life, so movie magic, great. Anyway, what I'm getting to is, like, they broke down charisma into different facets. So you can be, like, super hot, but you can be also dumb as a fence post. Or you can be super eloquent... Fairly average, good-looking, decent, not good with words. So they, they broke it up so there's like a force of will or a force of personality or a force of appearance. It's one of those three things that really define you the most. Yeah, and, you know, we're talking all this about charisma, and there's a little bit of... Charisma is one of those words that not everyone uses, unless they're, you know, using it as a statistic. Or bitching about Fallout 4. Eh. Fair. But the whole um, charisma is your ability to make the world do what you want, intentionally, unintentionally, or by accident. Through non-physical means. Oh, right. here, I've got the actual definition pulled he up. Does, he does. He has all this stuff pulled up on his computer. So, would one of you like to read that? My eyes are failing me. Oh, God. I tried reading something last time we did a recording session, and I sucked at it. Here, let me, let me make it easier for old people and blind people. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Oh, my God. I can read it now. All right. So, charisma. <laughs> and it's got this weird thing underneath this. Charisma. It's the phonetics. That is not phonetic, man. That's Russian. <laughs> I, I do not read Cyrillic, all right? But it's a noun. And definition one is compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. See, enchanted guests, or something or other, whether charisma, blah, 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 blah. Or number two, a divinely conferred power or talent. That's a weird one. <clears throat> Holy shit. Huh. Apparently it started as a Greek and Latin word. A lot of words did. Yeah, that makes sense, though. But, but anyway, I mean, like, it gives the similars here. It has charm, presence, aura, personality. And also force of personality. Sort yeah, of so, if, out. so if I took out aura right there, all three of those definitions I just laid out the way they did it in 3.5. Charm, presence, and personality. Right. Those are the defining traits of charisma. And you can pretty much pick one. Or you can do a mix of all three or, you or can do a two. Mix of all three. It's like when I play a sorcerer, usually they are a charisma-based caster, of course. 95% of the time when I make one, they may look average with like one thing that you know separates them from the norm like when i was playing my tiefling uh instead of having pointed ears the back of the ridges of his ears were serrated okay so it made him distinctly different from other tieflings just because his ears were not the normal devil ears you know point sticks so it, it separated him from the norm but without being like this big game-changing thing yeah without being it's a, a big point of conversation at that point it was a point of conversation and then i poured the other 95 percent into being a force of personality Right. Like, whenever he spoke, you know, even when he was wrong, he acted like he was, you know, completely justified in his decisions. He's like, this is the you know, choices I came to, and he explained it to other people. And he never talked down to the other characters. He would always talk to them on their own level. But somehow, you know, and I would try to convey that, you know, my character is better than you <laughs> kind of attitude, you know, because he's a force of personality. So he's trying to be better than you, but it's not like I'm better than you because I'm a dude, bro. It's I'm better than you because I got more experience. But 
come with me. I'll put you under my wing. I'll take care of you. I'll help you out. So, you know, he's that, that charisma lure, you know, like big brother kind he's of He's got guy. that magnetism. Yeah, it was that, that big brother magnetism. That machismo show. where it's like, yeah. this is the dude you meet at the party that like everyone is sitting around and listening to what he's saying. It's he's the, he's one for, of the guys. He's the guy who brought need, beer. Yeah, and, and you don't even need to know him. You don't even know, need to know the guy. He just comes in and tosses you a can of beer and he's like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Well, it, it's one of those things. It's like, um, I know we're on the topic of charisma, but it's just like people talk about, well, I need a stat for my players so that they're not such a dumb shit. Well, that's what wisdom was supposed to be. Well, there, there's a difference between intelligence and wisdom, and one is book mm -hmm. learning, one is reality learning. And see, here's the thing. Intelligence is reading that hot things will burn your skin and cause different degrees of burns. And pain. Wisdom is... Sticking your hand next sticking to the your oven. hand on the burner. <laughs> well, Scarf it, to prove wisdom it. is remembering when you stuck your hand on the burner when you were an itty bitty child thing, um, and knowing, all right, I'm not going to do that now. Yeah. Which is supposed to be your "I'm not a complete dumb shit" stat. But it's, with charisma, people always defaulted to, "Oh, I've got like an 18 in charisma, so my character's super fucking hot." And it's like, hold on, don't you have like? Aren't you like 280 pounds dwarf with like a scraggly ass beard in your description? Yeah. Even on dwarven standards, usually they're like, I'm super well groomed and have a lot of jewels and gold on me. Yeah, it's one of those weird things. Like, I have played the super hot character. I've played every fucking flavor of character. And even then, I make, I usually approach charisma as the trifecta. So it, if they're like super hot... They're not going to be that great with words. They're getting by on their looks. And, you know, plenty of people do this in real life. Oh, yeah. You know, plenty of people, especially uh, early Models. on, uh, before the age of 25, a lot of gals uh, scoot by on their looks. Have you heard of OnlyFans? That's basically all yeah. it is. Basically, yeah. OnlyFans. They're skating by on their looks. There's not much else there. It's, but then when they hit that wall and they got to use a lot more fucking makeup. It's Wish.com of porn, me. basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the same, it, you know, it's a good point to bring up, is this trifecta, right? This, you know, how word-savvy are you? How hot or not are you? And how much you can get other people, other the world, to do what you want. Yeah, like some people actually do have the natural charisma to pull off somebody who is plain-looking. Who's not that much of a force personality, but knows the right words to say at the right time. Used you know, car the, salesman. The, the manipulator uh, charisma, mm -hmm. basically. <laughs> and there's some players who sit at your table and they know how to manipulate everybody else at the fucking table to do what they want. And if they play a high charisma manipulator, that's fucking perfect. They've done it. They, they got they're, it. They're a person who's got those strengths, playing a character with those strengths. I can totally see it. And, you know, sometimes a charisma role isn't necessary. Yeah, and it's... A roll is a chance for failure or success, and that is all it is. It is a way to randomize what's happening, otherwise you are sitting around with your friends playing make-believe, and it's whoever can tell the best story. Hey, uh, kind of. Random chance dice are what give the game that spice of life. When you roll that nat 20, and you, you three-peat it and just auto-kill whatever the fuck is in front of you that's blocking your path, it's awesome. When you roll that nat one and throw your sword through your friend's companion, you know, that shit's hilarious. Especially when that companion happens to be a rat standing 30 feet away. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. Of, it just allows random uh, chaos to enter the game and anything can happen. Because think about it. You go out with your friends. You guys are, say, at a convention or you go to a concert or something. You guys are like, we're going to have the best fucking time. We know exactly what we're going to go and do. But shit happens. Maybe your buddy drops his beer, but it just so happens that he does it while he's standing on the fucking stairs trying to get down to your all seats, and he spills on this chick while it ends up him and that chick get talking. He buys her a beer. Next thing you know, your buddy's got a girl. You know, it, it's, it's the randomness of life. That's what the little random number uh, rocks we use are for. Shiny math but rocks. But still, in, in the scenario you just gave, all right, in D&D... This would be like, Buddy spills beer on Chick, Buddy apologizes, he makes a, a charisma check, offers the buyer a beer, and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. He's ready to go back and screw it. And no other role except for saving throws, really, uh, 
And saving throws such it makes an, sense. Saving throws make sense, but no other roles on your character sheet have such a significant instant impact. And the scenario you just gave, it should be charisma check to apologize for spilling the beer. A, a charisma check to talk her into letting you buy her a beer. Willpower check to not throw up. You know, willpower check not to throw up in front of her or pretend she's interesting while you're fucking blitzed out of your mind. You know, it should be multiple charisma rolls. Concentration check because your song, your jam just started being played by the band. Do you start dancing and ignore her now? Yeah, there's there's a lot. And, you know, you could even start that whole chain of events with a one on decks. Because that's basically what happened. You know, you slip. Dude, you're carrying five beers. You're heading down the way. You've only got two hands. And, like, you can balance. But that one, you know, it's always that tricky beer, dude. And you've (laughs) got to go down. Give me an acrobatics check to see if you can make it down these stairs. Oh, you rolled a one, bro. Totally dropped your beer. You know, I'll give you a save on this. Reflex check, brah. Yeah. And, um, like, if anybody is still listening to us at this point... <laughs> props, no, first and, fir- per- first and first foremost. Of, first of all, props. Second of all, Darth Blasphemous is not familiar with Seth Skorskowski. He is not doing a parody of one of his characters he does on his YouTube channel. But It's I, the dude bro voice. No, 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 seriously, Seth Skorkowski does a character in his fucking D&D videos that sounded exactly like you just were. <laughs> nice. And he's also really good for GM advice, so yeah, after you're done listening to this episode, check him out on YouTube. He is a wonderful, one of the guys that I go to, uh, very wonderful uh, advice for D&D kind of guy, one of the trifecta of D&D guys that I go to. I'm like, how do I improve my game? Right? And, you know, this goes for a lot of things, but charisma is the sort of thing, it's overlooked. It's overlooked and overpowered. And at the same time, it's overused and over over and underpowered, right? It depends on how your GM plays with it. And one of the other things about um, charisma that is overlooked, because we're getting into that overlooked category, and I mentioned this earlier... Looks play a big part in charisma. Because first impressions really do count. Especially for young minds who are thinking with the wrong head. I, oh, I yeah. got one for you on that, yeah. alright? So right now in this room, both of y'all have had time to actually get up, do some shit, get get made up and shit. I'm sitting here, my beard's all over the place. My hair is not fucking kempt up because I just woke up not that long ago and came right in here to mess with fucking microphones. So it's a difference. If we went in to hang out with people and I'm just all scuzzed up like I am, people are gonna be like, "Oh, dude, no, I don't want to. I don't want to be around this guy." But oh, y'all yeah. too. You're reminding me of somebody back at the shop. <laughs> Wait, is that the one of the that several? Away? <laughs> uh, the dude whose face would schlup off from all the fucking mold. Ugh. Oh, oh, god. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Carry on. Carrying on. The smell of death just wafted through my memories. I never thought I would smell what blue cheese would be like if it went bad. On a face. On a person. <laughs> with no blue cheese present. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's one of those things of first impressions, you know. Part of your charisma is part of it. Do you make yourself up? Are you doing the right style? I mean, like my hair, it does best when I just slick it back, good to go. Yeah, but I, I, my counter argument here, though, uh, for looks, is going to be two words here. Everybody will recognize it. And everybody would be like, holy shit, that guy is Captain Charisma. But it's not a looks, it's not by force of personality, and it's not by presence. Alright? Alright, hit so, us with it. So, so I'm taking the trifecta out of this. Completely gone. The trifecta, I'm putting it on the table. Moving it over. Putting it in a box. Okay, now I'm throwing the box off the table. Thunk. There we go. Now, Steve Buscemi. Okay. Okay. Alright. He's a very charismatic individual, and he is butt-fucking-ugly. He's not exactly Captain Presence. I mean, he has good screen presence, but personal presence, if you were to meet him, he's pretty much a very average dude. It's like the the movie The Island, the dude, when he was sitting on the couch and he's talking about, hey, you know, if I want to eat a burger, I don't want to meet the cow, right? He's a very, he comes off as a very normal dude in, in very, in many respects, you know, but what he does have that lends a lot of charisma to him is reputation. 
Yeah. Reputation plays a big part of charisma. And of course, as a GM, one can feel free to modify uh, the, the charisma bonus. Like if somebody's going to go haggle with a shopkeeper and they have worked before for the local Archduke and they're known to be, you know, helpers with the crown and they're the mercenaries. So maybe like a plus one modifier to haggle for a price for some weapons and armor. Totally awesome and negotiable. You know, because they have a reputation. They're famous. Right. And and fame is definitely a thing that is also overlooked. Like, as you start m being adventurers, you sort of make a name for yourself no matter what you're doing. How you make a name for yourself is just as important as how far that name spreads. Because it's hard for people to spread your name if you're a fucking murder hobo and kill an entire town. Because then you become... John Wicks! <laughs> No, because... John Wick had it good, and he, he got had... out. He was a level 20 motherfucker, oh. and he got no, out. No, 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 he, he was a lot more than level 20, but John yeah. Wick also has reputation. All right? Because of the years of service before that and the impossible night that he did, which elevated him. That was his fucking fifth level mythic campaign event. His ascension that event. he soloed. Yeah, he's well. He mostly soloed, but he pulled some strings with some you know other powers there, and he pulled it off. But still, reputation uh, with Steve Buscemi in real life or John Wick, a fantasy character. John Wick is a, a granted. I, I will admit that you know if I was a chick, I would totally, totally do Bill S. Preston <laughs> and Ted Theodore Logan. You know, I would totally go wild stallions on that shit. Um, what I'm trying to say, though, is reputation counts for a lot, and when we get John Wick or any of his other characters he played that are highbrow, or mostly highbrow, I, in retrospect, still, when the player characters enter the game session, they're nobodies. Hell, they might even get charisma negatives to barter and stuff. I mean, when you're first-level adventures, you're basically dressed up in... You're a kid in make-believe armor. Or what it looks You're like. You're a kid in make-believe armor, or you just stopped by St. Vinny de Paul. Or like, the Salvation hey, Army. there's a breastplate there for sale. Basically, Refurbished. You're that... I got this breastplate because it had a blue tag on it. That was half off on Thursday. You know? You're I... that kid fresh out of fucking seminary. Still fucking wet behind the ears, and you're walking around trying to tell 50-year-olds what life is all about. And a lot of them are going to look at you and go... Have fun, kid. Carry You'll be on. dead in a week. I'll, I'll sell this to you for double price. Right. At the same time, you know, the reputation again, uh, a GMing strategy I've seen a couple of times is session zero, you write down five rumors, or three rumors, depending on how eloquent your players are, about your character. Some of them true, some of them false. And it gives the players a good opportunity to just sort of Hey, you're that guy who did the thing with the bear, right? No, that wasn't me. Everyone confuses it for me. It's this story. Do you realize what a rabbit hole that would be with my current character I'm playing? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Do you want me to limit it to just three? <laughs> and then oh. there's characters who have fame prior. Exactly like Goblin's character. So the, the rumor mill is just going to be explosive over there. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it's just like if you take a look at... Uh, Pathfinder version 1 where you could take the traits and stuff and you were a, a local hero or a scion of a great house or something. That would give you some sort of reputation. And that's within the, all the game mechanics and stuff. Or you, you're you a wizard who was trained at this prestigious fucking archipelago in the middle of the ocean. You know, I went to that... this wizard school. Exactly. Look at it's, me, I'm famous just because like of the school. It's like how in real life it's like, alright, cool, I went to fucking... A no-name AMP school, but oh, it's known in my industry. I, I just got like an idea. I mean, it's completely wildly off-topic. Oh god! But <laughs> I, I guess it kind of plays into charisma a little bit. Like if you're playing like a low charisma character, it'd be hilarious. Hmm. Make a warlock. Okay. All right. But instead of like being contacted by some eldritch creature from beyond the stars or whatever, your character's low charisma, so he's like a UFO nut. So he got kidnapped by UFO. He's like, they probed me and it gave me magic powers to do Eldritch Blast. They, they had these giant fucking gray heads with these big black eyes. They beat me up and sliced up a cow. <laughs> they asked me questions. 
<laughs> That'd be a fucked up warlock It's like a UFO conspiracy And you know what? <laughs> it would work It would work Because They're sort of convincing in their own way Their fervor is what gets you sort of drawn in Not necessarily the content of what they're talking about But the fervor, the enthusiasm the, That can pull people in on its own It's a type of magnetism it would just be fucking hilarious. Oh, it certainly would. And you could pull it off, too. Well, no, uh, another one to do is to be a fucking, uh, to be the, the total, oh, I'm, I'm the, the fucking hobo, right? So you're going to play a hobo, completely crazy, but you got these voices in your head that gave you powers. The crazy cat it. lady, uh, <laughs> warlock. Yeah, do She's it. She's walking around talking to buildings, wearing one different, like, shoe on each foot. One's a man's shoe, one's a woman's shoe. Nobody knows. Yeah, mm-hmm. three different shirts on and a sweater on top. And the uh, yeah, well, would it be fucking uh, mithril uh, foil hat? <laughs> and the other thing too about Christmas that's really weird is to get back on topic. I'm sorry, I did derail. Well, no, uh, it, it still makes sense. It's, it's still relevant. Charisma. Uh, the, the, one of the weird parts is though is when I've seen low charisma characters at the table, and and for the most part. It is kind of a disposable stat out of the core six for Dungeons and Dragons style games. Uh, the thing that I have seen though is when somebody plays a less than adequate charisma, they tend to play that as asshole. And it, you can have a low charisma and not be an asshole, guys. I'm just saying that when. Can you, vouch, I'm doing it. Most people though, when I see them play low charisma, they're like, they walk up and they say like the wrong thing intentionally and you know it's kind of like playing chaotic stupid yeah yeah it definitely starts to feel like that a lot of times i've seen people low charisma they play chaotic stupid even though their alignment is something else on the character sheet and the thing is though is you can have low charisma and just be bashful or shy or just you take an excessively long time to explain things that are super simple like how to toast bread Right, and, and going into the physics of how the toaster nostril. works and all the like the electrical, the timer, the heating coils, etc. And then you, you get go the off point. into a tangent of how they think it would be funny if it worked like this or some bullshit. Yeah, and yeah, that, this is my fault. Um, <laughs> the levels of tism, or even if I were to go back into my own past, I would have to say, you know, maybe you could play a character who's like a high school science teacher. Who speaks only in a monotone voice no matter what. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Wait, my character would have to have the fucking grisliest, biggest mustache, though. Yeah. Basically, you have the tone-deaf character who only speaks in a monotone voice. You do not have to be Captain Asshole when you have a low charisma. And it's equally possible to be a low charisma character and be aware of it in and out of character. Right. Fuck, there's a great character who's low charisma in Skyrim, and uh, I believe it's Tari, who works at Radiant Raymond in Solitude, and she comes off as a total bitch. And, but if you marry her in character and, you know, you talk to her afterwards, you basically have like a little uh, wife, husband, wife conversation, and it turns out she just thinks that she is being completely, like, straight up honest. Brutally honest. She is. But basically, yeah, she's brutally honest. She speaks her mind, and she doesn't realize she's being rude. Yeah, and you know, it, at the other token, you know, I, I personally am better with words than some of my characters. But there is, you know, like with a high intelligence, it's like I know I'm not great at talking with people, so I'm just gonna keep quiet. There's not really any point for me to be, you know, bringing up these big grandiose topics. Most of these people are A, not going to understand me, B, not going to want to listen, and or C, not going to fucking care. Welcome to my life. Exactly. Well, again, going back to that real life scenario I was going into before the tangent. Yeah, so we do I, that. I went into a school, right, that isn't known any, like, if I told you guys, you'd be like, okay, cool, whatever. You don't know that place. But I bring that up in, say, a job interview with people in that industry. They're like, oh, I know that school. That's a reputable school. It's the difference between having someone who's like, oh, I went to, you know, University of fucking Pennsylvania. All right, that's a pretty good football school or some shit, right? I went to Notre Dame. I went to fucking Yale. Cambridge. Cambridge. 
it's having a notoriety from your background. I went and I did this thing here. You know, I was one of the people who uh, took the fucking pilgrimage up to the, the holy site. Then you would have some notoriety. That's a good way to have your low-level characters gain some sort of notoriety of, hey, you, you've done the thing, you know, you, you wear the ring saying that you've gone to the certain place that only people from our group go to. Cool. You know, maybe you wear the holy symbol of your god and someone's like, ah, you're a worshiper of so-and-so, as am I. That could give them an ability to have some reputation in a certain group. Yes, uh, that starts feeding back into first impressions. Yeah, and, well... It, that, or it feeds into reputation. Like, yeah, you have a reputation. If you're a cleric, you have a reputation with your church. And when you go to them for supplies or help, they mm -hmm. might be more inclined to give it to you. Not based on the fact that you're just a member of their clergy, but you've also done the good work in the name of the god of their clergy. Yeah. And you're in good standing with them. You know, or say you were a Boy Scout. Eagle Scout. You, Eagle Scout, even. You could go to someone who was also in the scouts, any of them, and be like, yeah, I, I did all these things, I went to these places. And he'd be like, oh, that fucking notoriety, dude, you know what, that that extra fry, let me make that an extra large on me. Yeah, I got that kicked out of shit. scouts. <laughs> I told you about that, right? I think that we're going to have to go into that after the podcast. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, I, I got kicked out of the scouts because I got caught eating a brownie. <laughs> oh, I see where you're going. bum tis Hey, I, it's been a while since I've told a totally horrible joke, all right? You know what? We'll it's, give it to it's you. It's been like a week since I have just made like somebody groan in pain. <laughs> Look at this guy back here. <laughs> All right. I, I, my life is not complete unless I've ruined someone else's day. You're welcome, Mr. Blasphemous. Yeah. But still, you go into these things of... It, it's not something that's out there immediately. It's like having a fucking... Um, Illuminati badge, right? You're not going to wear it all the time because then people are like, what the fuck's that symbol? Or but if, if they you do. have someone that you go to give them the special secret, super secret handshake, and then they're like, oh, gotcha. You know what? Let me knock like 10% off of that price of that sword there. You know, it's an upgraded version. I still like surprise charisma, though, and I mean, it's not based towards games, but in a way. And in a strange way, it's also a name I'm going to drop yet again, but we did interview John Wick. Mm, the, the real, actual John the, the actual real-life John Wick, who's a game designer and developer. Uh, and the funny part was, like, when we first interacted with him, you know, he just, he was a pretty normal fucking dude. Eating his corn chowder in the middle of the hallway. Eating his corn chowder in the middle of the hallway, wearing a silly hat and everything. <laughs> and the best part was, uh, when we got him in front of the camera for the interview, like, we opened up and we're like, hey, can you introduce yourself, you know, for our viewers? And he's like, I'm Steve Jackson. Nah, I, that took me by surprise. That took him by surprise, you know, and in games, you know, when you're role-playing, you know, take in mind that sometimes Chris can just, like, right out of the fucking bat sideways, just, that's what I started to, like, really adore the dude for having a sense of humor, right? <laughs> like, you know, he just introduces himself as Steve Jackson, I'm like, holy fuck, this guy's hilarious, you know? You know what? There's also that surprise charisma. You see someone, you haven't seen them for years, you rack your brain trying to think of who they are, and you shout out their name, Hey, dude! I know you from high school! They turn around, and they're like, Hey, dude! And all of a sudden, you've had this moment of two people getting a surprise charisma. It's like, Hey, I know that guy! Well, well I've had it in games with NPCs who have got surprise charisma, because I'll throw out an NPC... And usually surprise charisma is when the NPC does something that's in the party's favor. You know, when the, obviously, you know, duh, when somebody helps you out, you tend to like them more. Like, if I were to go home and my roommate's daughter washes the dishes, God Sweet. forbid she would ever fucking do that. <laughs> but if she did, it would be a surprise charisma action. I'd be like, holy shit, this person's actually contributing cooler than I thought they were. You know, just like when John Wick announced himself to be Steve Jackson. And you can have this in games where, like, an NPC or a player does an action that is completely unexpected. And then suddenly, everybody likes them more. And it's, again, it's reputation. It's their magnetism. Like, there's a lot to explore with charisma. And the way the system deals with it, the systems, plural, deal, the systems, with, yeah. deal with it is... It, 
it feels to me like it shows a little bit of a lack of understanding of the depth it can have. It's shallow. It's a, it's a very... Well, the, the weird part, though, is like strength is a very well-defined attribute. You I are muscly. I are muscly. This is how much I can lift, pull, drag, bend bars, lift gates. It's... Bash face. Bash face. Or we if you're... Uh, if you got the right feet, you know, I flex and intimidate people because I got Conan muscles. Conan. Yeah. It's very simple. Dex is very simple. Banana peel. I'm still standing. Good dex check. Con, you know, being able to eat bad food and surviving. Well, it's even more than that because it's like, oh man, I... I just uh, fucking activated this trap and got hit in the face with a fucking brick. But you know what? I smile and only one tooth falls out. Ha ha, I got a... I would have had a class 3 concussion, but it's only a class 1 because I've got great constitution and a thick skull. It's pretty simple. Even intelligence and wisdom are fairly simple when you boil them down to their base roots and understand the difference between the two. Charisma is so wibbly-nibbly. Yeah. It's all over the damn place. It's ethereal, and it's... It feels like the way we're delving into, it's like we're starting to, you know, swim in the kiddie pool, right? But there's an ocean, and people are just looking at it and be like, yeah, that's a pretty view. I like the way the waves kind of roll. And that's it. That's as far as they look into. shallow as fuck when it comes to the actual item itself. It's... A very surface thing of it. Oh, yeah, that that uh, glass bead you got's really cool. It's a nice green color, but they don't know that it's actually you know a fucking priceless emerald. Right. Exactly. It's it's that same sort of thing. Um, let's use a good, uh, an example of charisma at work. Right. So, charisma at work. I was playing in. I was playing a hexblade warlock and Azamar. Um, and one of the scenarios we were thrown into was effectively sort of a stop-the-bank heist sort of thing. Suicide bomber, stake out, everybody's, you know, put your hands in the air, do what we tell you, or we blow the place sky high, right? And, you know, the head dude is a little bit off his rocker anyway. So after a couple of tries, I'm like, I got this. And I just crank the showmanship up. Crank it to 11. So we've got a druid in the party who's just got aquatic forms. I'm like, you know what? We're going to up the ante. Can you turn into an octopus and then mount yourself on my breastplate so that you look as ornamental and filigree rather than an organic being? We'll get we'll get to where this comes in. Why didn't you just wear the octopus as a helmet and make it color change so it looked like hair? No, because the whole point was to stop him from undoing the dead man switch. So, you know, dude announces, Give me your money or I'll blow the place up! I'm like, you, you're the one that I'm that we looking for. And you start, I fed into his psyche, right? You feed into, like, he's in his way, he's searching for attention and all that stuff. I'm like, my patron's looking for people like you. You know, slow, cautious approach. And, you know, I give him... A gift of the patron, which is me casting, you know, Crown of Madness on him. So he takes it, he puts it on his face. And then I have the octopus just start coiling around his arm, because he's tripping balls. It's going to seem just as real as any other hallucination. If you've already got something affecting your mind, you might as well go I I know, I was just like... I would have solved it a different way, but go ahead, keep going. Well, we tried that, it didn't work, but... Carpet nukes always work. (laughs) How can they rob a bank if you have just leveled the entire city? (laughs) Just saying. Peace through superior firepower. It works. So anyway, you know, I just kept rolling hot, but I had to roll like six different charisma checks to get him to really sort of follow me willingly enough that I could defuse the situation. It's it's a clever thing, and how the players bring it up, their own personal charisma, can mean more than the roles themselves. Like, I played into the crazy, amped it, and made it seem like I was working for something more than myself. Questionable about this guy, but 
had I not done that, it would have been like, roll, fail, boom. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of when we were in the game where we learned about social combat and your roommate and the whole, well, I make a roll. I try to convince him I make a roll. I make a roll. I'm just trying to make the roll. Well, that's because charisma can be played one of two ways, primarily, as one is, uh, let's say Kaz over here is running a game, he introduces an NPC that I'm trying to convince to do something, and I personally can't think of anything to say. All I know is to rectify the situation I need to convince this person to do as I'm going to tell them to do for a temporary time, and I'm like, I try to convince him, make a roll. I cannot personally think of anything that would be proper to say at this point because either my personal intellect is not catching on to what the GM wants me to do or I just don't have the eloquence to convey the words that I want to make this NPC I've only just met do something because my character is in the situation and has much more view on the matter than I do as the player. You know, Basically, my character is there. My character is in the movie. They see the scenes... I'm watching the movie with the lights off. I, I don't know what's going on. My character, the lights are on for them. So I'm just making blank rolls at this point, just writing blank charisma checks. And, and the other way about it, though, is if I can say something, and this is where charisma gets kind of weird, is maybe I'm trying to convince the NPC that Kaz or Khan is running, and I do have something I want to say, and I say it, but it's not necessarily, like, my personal charisma may not be as high as my character's. Right, it's the and, difference between, yeah. it's a difference of presentation. It's a well, difference of it, presentation. It's the problem with that system of social combat is it requires you to write down exactly what you had said in conjunction with the role. Well, there are certain keywords it's looking for, so that's why that system doesn't work very well, because it's, it's way too over-engineered. Like, okay. I love things being over-engineered, but this one is written in such a way that you literally have to have read The Prince and, like, everything Machiavelli ever wrote in order to do it the way the person who probably just finished reading that wrote it. Well, the thing about charisma, though, and especially the second example that I was giving, is you kind of have to handle it at that point like intelligence checks. Now, if you look at the statistics and figures, the average intelligence for uh, an American right now, I believe, is around 100. Give or take a few points here or there. Right. Within now, that bar. on a D&D sheet, this is actually average. This is a 10 out of 3D6. 9 and 10 is average. Yep. So that makes actually a lot of fucking sense. And one guy actually explained it to me a long time ago that every point of intelligence you have basically equivalates to 10 IQ. So if you have 7 intelligence stat, you have a 70 IQ. It's a really rough rule of thumb, but it works. It, it's a good hard and fast measure. It's I mean, good, it, I'm sure there's more direct uh, translations, but that's the most clear. Of it, it is the most direct. It's a hard and fast, dirty rule. And it's pretty much kind of like one of those unwritten rules in almost any D&D game that, you know, oh, you got an intelligence 12? Well, your character has an IQ of 120. Now, of course, when you're playing a wizard or something like that, you're playing an intelligence-based character, your character's intelligence is higher than yours if you go by the averages here, just by that rough and dirty rule. So if your wizard has a 16 intelligence, but That's... you're an average person by real-life demographics... Mm-hmm. Your wizard has 60 more IQ points than you do personally. So yes, just like charisma, you may not be that eloquent in your speech. And you may need to make a charisma roll to get that extra bump because your character is more charismatic than you are. Just like your wizard is more intelligent than you are. You know, sometimes, you know, you have to rely on that D20 crutch. So I really mm. don't see much of a problem with, you know, high charisma characters. Hell, even the same with wisdom. Yeah, I know some dumb motherfuckers out there who would put their hand on a burner after putting their hand on a burner. <laughs> you know, just to check a second time. I mean, at that point, you're starting to fail the scientific uh, process. But the point does it's remain. Like the, it's like the big red button. You Don't always push the big red the button. You always have that one player who has to push the big red button. And it's like, dude, what's your character's wisdom? 15. No, it's not. Not anymore. <laughs> it is the it's same as your like wisdom. It is a changes. four. <laughs> it's like an alignment change, you know. It's like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna murder all of them. What's your alignment again? Oh, you, your um, 
Lawful good? What the fuck? Whoa, whoa. As a paladin, I can destroy an entire village, raise it to the ground, and still remain pious because they were all in service to the Dark Lord and needed to die. I didn't need proof for that. They're too close to the temple. The corruption had radiated outward, and I just had to be sure. Ve Victus. And that right there is a charisma check called Bluff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's just one of the things of, like, you've got people where... They have a character with high charisma, high intelligence, high strength. They don't know how to play that because in real life, they're low in that. Oh, thank God we're running out of time. Because yeah, I was just yeah. about to get on... The, like, he just mentioned Blop, and I was about to go into uh, fucking Intimidation, which is like one of my biggest pet peeves. I intimidate the door. Fuck you. No, you don't. It's a door. What the hell it's is an it inanimate object. And... Okay, charisma-based skills and charisma itself... Should have some stipulations to it, uh, limits, and that, these are my final thoughts. Now I'm just gonna mm-hmm. just rant and shut up real quick. Like if it should not be hard and dirty. It. <laughs> 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 you didn't even think about that, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, so it should not be quick and hard. God damn it! <laughs> they make pills for that at your age. Yes, they do. Okay. I think the audience is getting what I'm conveying, even though I'm fucking up my words here horribly. Low charisma, bro. Low C. Low C. No, no, no. It's two and a half hours of sleep. I am <laughs> I am running on fumes right now. Okay? You Jesus. are under penalties. Your, your stats may be higher, but right now they are not. I went to bed at 5 o'clock in the morning and woke up at 7.30, okay? <laughs> I am not right in the head right now. Anyway, charisma should not be handled swiftly. Uh-huh. With one roll to do something like sneak past a guard, there should be hard, quick, and dirty rules when dealing with charisma, just like dealing with the world. You cannot intimidate a door. You cannot intimidate water to part for you. You cannot... You cannot backstab the goddamn book, even though it has a spine. You cannot backstab a book, even though it's got a spine. <laughs> no discernible anatomy, no discernible intelligence. Exactly. You cannot intimidate. You cannot bluff your reflection in the mirror to look different. Same goes with charisma checks, as you should not be able to make one roll to get past something where it should be a hard stop. Like, if you want to go see the uh, fucking mayor of your city, you should not be able to walk up, go to the guard, and be like, Oh, Mr. Guard, the mayor is expecting me. Charisma check. And the guard just lets you go by. No, these are trained officers who look for signs of people who are lying to try to get in there because the mayor doesn't want to get assassinated. Who'd have thunk? If your bard is horny and he wants to screw somebody, it should be multiple charisma checks. Because in real life, there is almost nobody that's unless jump you are like a super famous dude and you find the star fucker. Most women are going to be like, "That's cool. Let's get to know each other a bit first before we move along." Right. Unless she's like a filthy hoe. No, at that point, where are you going to use the term wait, wait, maniac? You're, okay. you're misusing that. You mean modern woman. Oh, no, no, no. I mean garden tool. Okay, nah, nah. unless she's a garden tool, she's not just going to try to hop on the carousel and ride the pony. You know, so when you go to flirt with the bar winch, a player should expect that it's going to take some time to build up rapport. Yeah. You know, so th- th- my final thoughts is just like making strength checks... You know, there are certain situations that strength should be like a one-shot roll or multiple rolls like combat. Same with intelligence, where you're doing research and it may take multiple rolls over time. Charisma, when dealing with people, should take multiple rolls, especially when you want to get intimate with somebody or get exclusive information. And I think as a GM, uh, all of us should take a moment to think about charisma the way that we see it played out in our games. And let your gut instincts be the guide, and just like everything else in your game, apply the same rules of reality to charisma checks that you apply to your combat roles, or your research roles, or survival roles. Those are my final thoughts. I'm shutting up now, going back to my crypt. (laughs) Sorry, I had to get that out. That's fair. I think... I think all of the stats are powerful, and... How you go about using them speaks more to you as a player and your GM that you can start diving into the real depth of them. And it's worth doing. But, Kazarkan, back to the skies. 
Alright dude, so this is my final thoughts. Don't be a douchebag and totally cock block the bard because you know he just wants to try and get some and like that's totally okay. You don't have to be like the cleric who says everyone needs to be like celibate and wait for marriage man like that's not cool. Yeah. Darth Blasphemous signing off. Indeed, and only in hiding one's true identity can one truly be known.